Hello, and welcome to another edition of Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information, insight, and experiences for people who are planning for, about to, or already have retired. I'm John McComb. Recently retired after a 50-year broadcast career, the last 36 years at CKNW Radio in Vancouver. I'm sitting down with my co-host Lori Pinkowski every other Friday to help answer the many questions that come up as you prepare to relax and devote some time to you and your new life. Lori is the founder of Pinkowski Wealth Management and a senior vice president and senior portfolio manager at Raymond James. Lori, great to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing well, John. How are you? I'm excellent and uh, glad to be back doing uh, another edition of Ready, Set, Retire. We want to talk this week about retirement in the era of COVID-19, because I know for a lot of people, Retirement can be a little bit uncertain to begin with, but then you add on everything that's been going on with the virus, and it's just more stress, I think, for people. Yeah, I definitely think because of the uncertainty around COVID, people that are looking to retire or have recently retired, it just adds that layer of stress to the situation. And so a lot of the kind of the questions that we're getting is, you know, how do you create a portfolio for retirement in this type of environment, right? With this type of volatility that we've been seeing. So there's a few tips that, you know, we can provide our listeners and really try to help them throughout this situation and, and be comfortable with retirement going forward and their cash flow needs and as well as uh, their portfolio. Okay, so how do you deal with this new environment and uh, ensure that your retirement portfolio stays on track? Yeah, you know, I think the first and foremost, when you're talking to a financial advisor just about your goals and your needs and cash flow and, and so on, from there, really, the financial advisor should be looking at how to create a portfolio in general just for you. Let's, you know, leave COVID out for one second and, and really nail down what is the allocation to kind of stocks and bonds and money market? What kind of risk can you handle? Are you able to sleep at night? Were you able to sleep at night in March when there was a panic sell-off? These kind of questions are really important to have that open communication, that ongoing conversation with your advisor so they can help you throughout this period because this won't last forever. As I've said, the world will get through this and so will your portfolio as long as it's structured correctly. And that's really what's important for today's market and for the situation that we're in. And so that's what we wanted to kind of review about portfolio construction for retirement and how do you get that income uh, when you've got a pandemic going on. So once you've kind of sorted out the basics, then what? What's the next step? We specialize in conservative portfolios. And when we're looking at putting a portfolio together for someone who's just retired, we obviously want to focus on income. But dividends aren't everything. So a lot of retirees, you know, they come to us going, I want to own dividend paying stocks. And I always say, well, so do we. But sometimes there's companies out there that don't pay dividends or don't pay high dividends, but you still want exposure to them. In this environment, the best way that we felt to position our clients was to invest in a portfolio of defensive or recessionary type names, as well as growth companies and defensive names or names you're going to recognize, you know, Estee Lauder, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Johnson & Johnson, Walmart, all of these types of companies are going to do well in a recession or not. Growth names such as Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Visa. 
many people, retired or not, uh, lately have seen the FANG stocks really rising. Those are those technology stocks, Facebook, Apple, Google, Netflix, right? And, and people get uber excited about that. But again, when you're retired, you need to look at diversification of your portfolio. And even though some of these stocks are flying high, you can have a position in them, but you're not going to focus your entire portfolio on one sector, let's say that. When you talk about generating income from your portfolio, talk about that because there are various ways that can happen. Definitely. I mean, interest rates have dropped significantly since uh, the pandemic started. And what we're hearing from the Bank of Canada is that rates are going to stay low indefinitely. So we're talking not just months, but years. And of course, a lot of retirees and, and even people who sell their business initially, they feel the need to put a lot of money into GICs because it's a safe investment. Well, these safe investments are paying close to 1% at this point, and you've got inflation at 2%. So it's not a good long-term strategy, obviously, being in GICs. And I, I still think the majority of investors know that. But it's just, again, one added negative of low interest rates is that you can't depend on that safe income from GICs. So then what do you do, right? I mean, that's that's the question. And I think this is the issue for many retirees. And this is probably one of the top questions that we get. So how do you really generate income if GICs are not going to do it because they're simply not paying anything? Where do you look? Well, the best way of handling income in a situation like this is you're going to have to be an investor, in our opinion, of stocks and bonds. And of course, there's some volatility that can go along with that. But you need to realize and ensure, I guess, or your financial advisor should, the types of companies you're invested in. And those are the names that I just mentioned. You know they're going to survive the pandemic. And uh, even though there's some risk, of course, with just normal market volatility, you know that McDonald's and Coca-Cola and Starbucks are going to be okay. And again, when I refer to these names, I would always suggest you talk to your own financial advisor to see if they're right for you. But these are names that we incorporate into our clients' portfolios. So many clients will have a certain mix of stocks and bonds. I'd say the average would be 65% in equities and 35% in bonds. But I would say some retirees don't even want to have much exposure, if any, to fixed income. But I would say the average person will have some exposure. And so we view each person individually and really assess what the asset mix should be. We focus on stocks with good dividends. But again, that's not the only thing. You need to make sure the underlying company is a good investment first and foremost. And I often say this is that, you know, a 5% dividend or a 4% dividend on a stock won't matter if your company, one, can't pay the dividend and cuts it. And number two, if the stock just drops uh, for various reasons, wrong sector or whatever, I mean, if the stock drops 20%, uh, who cares about your 4% dividend? So always buying the company first. And then, of course, with bonds, um, we use bond funds in order to get that exposure. We feel the professional management in that area is definitely beneficial to clients. The bond market here in Canada, very slim pickings, not a lot to choose from, lower yields. These guys can go international, and we've been able to get about 5% annually from those bond managers over the years. Do you know how much you can take from your portfolio? What do the projections look like with a modest to moderate return? You know, that's what the retirement plan is used for. And we always do a plan for each client. It really is a roadmap that shows not just you, but really tells us what kind of return does this client need? How much do we need to withdraw from their portfolio? Because we also have to take into account old age security as part of your income right? CPP, rental income, if you have any. And then furthermore, we need to take a look at which accounts we should be taking the income from. Everybody has a different setup. 
Some people have large corporate accounts. Some people have large RSP or RIF accounts. Of course, you have TFSAs, joint accounts. So all of these things we take into account and uh, even talk to your accountant and take a look at what is the most tax efficient way to draw this income down. And also, we want to take a look even to the future for your estate. What should we be drawing down today that will keep more wealth in your family later on in life? So how do you actually structure a retirement plan? Because as you've just mentioned, every individual is slightly different from the next. So how do you go about putting the structure together? You know, you have your accumulation phase before retirement. Market fluctuations and investment risk can be offset over time with techniques such as like dollar cost averaging um, and rebalancing your portfolio. Of course, in a decumulation phase, when you're withdrawing funds from your portfolio, there's far less room for error. For people nearing or entering into retirement, the need to generate reliable lifetime income is greater than ever before. So even though we don't have a crystal ball, what we do have to look at is, okay, if we create this portfolio for this investor, what is the projected income that we can draw? And when we're putting a plan together, what's really important are three things. Your withdrawal rate, again, how much you need to spend, the return on on your portfolio, projected inflation. And again, one that's a little bit out of our control is the market volatility and the timing of your retirement, which is why this is such an important topic during uh, the COVID situation that we're in today. And so why should people have a plan? And what are the impediments that people have in their own minds in terms of actually going and sitting down with a financial advisor? Well, I think definitely the benefits of having a plan is just you're able to see on paper how retirement is going to look. What's really important is that you don't outlive your portfolio. So we really need to make sure that uh, your spending is intact. And I would say with the group that we we deal with, the problem we have more often than not is that they don't spend enough, very frugal and, and so on. And so, and that's okay. But we need to look at then about early gifting possibly to children and things like that, right? Let's figure out uh, a better tax situation for people. And, you know, the goals of good planning are to help you end up with more money at the end of the day, make sure that you stay on track, make sure that you don't panic during volatility in the markets as well. And that's why you have these conversations with your financial advisor. And that's why you do a retirement plan so that you're able to stick with it when times get a little tough. And I think something that uh, we've discussed in the past is that you as a financial advisor, financial planner, portfolio manager, you get that retirees don't have a chance to make up money if it's lost. And so you have various and sundry ways that you go about preventing that from happening as much as possible. Of course. I mean, you can't sidestep a market correction completely, but there's lots that we can do as a portfolio management team to really try to cushion that blow so that uh, when markets come down, it doesn't take us nearly as long to come out of that. And that's why a lot of retirees deal with us because it is important. You don't have a chance to make it up again. And so we have to take that risk management discipline so seriously when managing retirees' wealth. That's an excellent, excellent point because individuals, and I'm one of them, when the markets suddenly head south, it's all emotion. It's, oh my gosh. Whereas letting you do it, you're a professional. You don't let the emotions get in the way. Thus, your portfolio, my portfolio is in much more 
rational hands. Let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard for investors not to get emotional about what's happening out there. For us, I mean, I'll definitely admit uh, going through a panic sell-off is no fun, but we're prepared for it. And uh, we always have a plan A, plan B in place. You know, I'll be the first to say I'll never project, you know, 12 months out or two years out where markets are going to be. We have to assess the news daily, the economic data, and make decisions and and often make quick decisions. It's really important uh, that you have a financial advisor that takes that risk management seriously. And and again, this is why I've advocated for many years against buy and hold, because sometimes you're buying and holding for a very long time to get back to where you were. If you don't make any changes to the sectors that you own and things like that, retirees need to draw income. So it can really hurt your retirement if you ever have one of those really big negative years. Let's talk about financial advisors and what people can expect or should expect from their advisor if people uh, don't have a financial advisor now and they're they're looking around what should they be aware of what should they be thinking about yeah i always say this is one of my favorite topics you know i really like to advise people on what to expect and how to separate the mediocre financial advisors or portfolio managers from the great ones. Uh, investors have a lot of options out there. I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of financial advisors out there. So how do you figure out who's good and who's not? But, you know, there's some basics that you should expect. The bare minimum from the person who is managing your money. And what are they? Run down that list for us. Some of those things are, you know, the idea of holistic thinking, making sure that they are incorporating retirement and estate planning into the overall management of your portfolio. It used to be, you know, you go to a financial advisor and they're just managing your stocks and telling you what to buy or sell. Well, the industry has changed immensely since that time. And now you should be expecting retirement plans and estate plans and conversations about saving tax. You want someone that obviously you can trust, that you feel comfortable with. That's really important. They shouldn't be speaking over your head in you know financial jargon that you don't understand proactive advice you want them to have a disciplined risk uh, management strategy in place and the emphasis should be on people your goals your needs and not investment products right the the conversations that you should be having are about the big picture and so you want people that can really provide you advice in all areas and not just on the investments in your portfolio. And I think that the industry has moved towards that, but there's a big percentage of financial advisors and portfolio managers who still don't offer all of these services. Why do people choose not to have financial advisors? Well, I think some people, uh, the do-it-yourselfers or the people that go online, I think that they either may not see the value in a financial advisor Some people have had bad experiences with financial advisors. A lot of people call us from the radio when that's, you know, something's happened to them or their portfolio. And those people have gone online because they felt they had no other choice, I I would say, until they found us or they find a good financial advisor, then they get that confidence back, right? And that's what really concerns me in, in our industry in general. And in any industry, there can be bad apples and there can be people that aren't putting your needs first. And that's unfortunate. And that's why I do CKW. That's why I do things like this to make sure that people are aware of what you should be expecting from your financial advisor. And going it alone isn't always the answer. And there's many reasons why uh, why I would advise people against it unless you have the education, the experience and, and the time to really be managing your own portfolio. I think uh, time is key. You have to be looking at these markets all the time, especially with the volatility that we're dealing with today. You mentioned people going online. What about this idea of robo advisors? What is a robo advisor? 
Well, robo-advising is these types of software that can basically pick stocks for you and get you invested and get you uninvested. And they all sound too good to be true. And the thing is, is that they work for people who don't need that personalized service, that personalized approach. They may not need the estate planning, retirement planning. Millennials have been drawn towards this sort of robo-advising. Again, it's a type of online investing. And at the end of the day, uh, robo-advising may work for some time, but emotions really take over the stock market in a lot of way. And you need humans to be able to manage you through that and really manage your portfolio, in my opinion. And so again, the age group that I'm dealing with, with retirees and so on, there's not a whole lot of people that want to um, get involved with robo-advising and many probably aren't aware of what it is. But basically uh, what's important is that your financial advisor gets to know you, your family, providing all that advice that goes along with uh, managing the portfolio and really understanding you as a person. So once you uh, have that first meeting with your financial or your proposed financial advisor, where do you start with that? What do people need to keep in mind as they're having that conversation? Well, the initial meeting with an advisor is when you really get to know each other. They should really be taking the time to learn more about you. That first meeting isn't about them sitting in front of you and telling you how great they are, how great their returns are, whatever it may be, where they get their research from. It's about you, your goals, your needs, and all those sorts of things. They need to understand before they can really create an investment plan for you. And they should be talking a language you understand. It should feel natural. Nothing should ever really feel forced, right? And then they usually create a customized investment plan for you that's tailored to your goals. You want to be talking about what kind of level of communication you can expect. That's another one because portfolio reviews should happen at least twice a year. Some people also need or want more contact. So again, market updates and things like that. We do conference calls and all sorts of things. Again, with COVID and what's happening today, you're not able to just go meet with your clients right now. So we're finding all different ways, including FaceTime and GoToMeeting and all these virtual meetings so that we can really keep in touch with our clients and, and update them on what's going on. The second phase of that will be contactless meetings, even meetings with plexiglass if we need to, I already ordered it. We really need to take this seriously longer term. COVID isn't here for a short term, it's here for a while. And we want to continue to be able to service our clients just the way that they always were used to. You really need to find somebody who you just feel comfortable with having a conversation with, because these are some of the deepest personal items in a, in a person's life is their financial situation. Definitely. I mean, knowledge and experience are two of the most important. You also want a financial advisor that doesn't just always agree with you. I think it's important. They'll tell you no, they're not afraid to, if need be. And, you know, even when you review a retirement plan, it shows that the client might be spending too much. You know, we'll have those conversations and say, no, you know what, we need to rein in it a little or let's find a solution to make this work. And I think that's what's really important when looking for the right financial advisor. What worries me out there is that there's so many advisors that overpromise and underdeliver. And to me, it's always been important to say what you do and do what you say and do it well, because nobody wants a revolving door of clients. And so to get that message across is really important. You want to have confidence in your financial advisory team. 
and make sure that they're able to talk to you about all different sorts of situations. I mean, you even thinking about conversations we have with clients about helping their kids buy real estate or someone buying a vacation home, selling their business, dealing with parents that are aging, talking about seniors' homes, old age security and, and other income. All of these conversations are just so important. And as I've you know mentioned a few times throughout the program today is that it's not just about managing portfolios anymore. That is definitely needs to happen. And that's very important. But there's a whole nother conversation that needs to go alongside that to ensure that your financial future is on track now and during retirement. And that's not the kind of full service that you're going to get from a robo advisor. They, <laughs> it's an algorithm who doesn't care about your situation. It's just humming away, you know, doing as it was programmed. And so all of the things that you've just mentioned, it's all part and parcel of what a good financial planner, a good financial advisor does. But there are some things that you want people to watch out for and sort of those red flags that might go up during that uh, initial conversation. Anytime you come across someone that's promising high returns and low risk, that's also, I would say, a red flag. If you are talking to someone and they're looking at uh, investing in products that you don't understand, this could be mortgage-backed securities or complex structured products. And again, things that sound too good to be true, they usually are in, in our industry. And I continue to say, keep it simple. Stocks, bonds, GICs, real estate. There's no need to get fancy. And when you get fancy, things go wrong. And so again, your general feel like, you know, when you're in the presence of this person, are you feeling confident? Do you feel secure being able to ask the questions that you need to? Any of these sort of things can tip you off that maybe either you're in good hands or you're not. So, you know, trust your intuition. It does mean a lot. But of course, you can do background kind of checks on financial advisors and, and see, you know, how they've fared over the years and so on. But overall, definitely experience and knowledge is really important. But the feeling that you get when you're sitting in front of them and they're explaining your portfolio and everything that goes along with it is just uh, such a huge thing for you. People have in their mind sometimes that, well, if I go to a financial advisor, a financial planner, they're going to try to sell me a product that they represent, whether it's the bank or whatever it happens to be. Is that necessarily a bad thing or what do people have to think about when that comes up? I've always been with independent type firms. That's always been important to me because they don't have their own products. And so do you have to worry about this when you're at the banks and so on? I mean, it's it's hard for me to say, but I would encourage people to ask the question, you know, if uh, you know, you're at a bank and they're only offering you bank their own bank funds. You have to question, well, is this the right investments for me? Or, you know, are they being encouraged to invest in them for me? Is there an incentive for them to be buying these types of investments? I think that happened a lot more, say, 10, 15 years ago than it probably does today. I think the financial industry has kind of cleaned itself up to a large regard. And you and I talked about this early on when we were doing CKNW like even about deferred sales charges and fees on mutual funds and all those sorts of things. I think there's a lot more transparency, which I, we have advocated for such a long time. And so that's that's nice to see finally. As we wrap up every edition of Ready, Set, Retire, you have um, a little food for thought, a quote to send us off with. What do you have today? There comes a day when you realize turning the page is the best feeling in the world because there's so much more to the book than the page you were on. Amen to that. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much, John. If you want more information or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management. 
604-915-LORI, 604-915-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Ready, Set, Retire. <laughs>